Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is the 411 from 406. My name is Chewy, and I'm joined once again by my brother from another mother, Mr. Pip. How are you, sir? I'm great, man. To be honest with you, I, uh, I'm i in the mood right now, I Hell guess yeah. you could say. I'm in the mood. I've got uh, I've got some, some Christmas cheer going on here. This is going to be Do the you? first official, I think, Christmas episode of the 411 from 406, right? I, I think so. I'm... Uh... Yeah, I, I don't know. I think we might have done, maybe last year we did like a what are we doing around the holidays kind of thing. But yeah, I don't think I think you're probably right. And I don't know that we've ever. In fact, I know we've never done like a holiday themed episode, which we're going to get into tonight. So, yeah, yeah it's this is going to be fun. Yeah, yeah. But uh, hey, before we get into that, we, we definitely have some catching up on. Uh, tell me a little bit about what uh, what you've been up to lately. Yeah, so I um for so Thanksgiving is my all time favorite holiday you know, I, we, we get together and, and we eat and drink and we're merry and those kind of things. It's kind of the unofficial kickoff to the holidays. This year was a little bit different though. I spent this year's Thanksgiving in Disney world down in Florida. If you've never been to Disney world, you just go and you walk and you walk and you walk. I think the <laughs> least we walked was probably 12 miles a day. That's insane. Um, but it was, it was amazing. I have to thank my in-laws. My in-laws took us down there and um, it was my family, my in-laws and my brother-in-law and his family. So there was 12 of us. We stayed on property at Disney and we went and we, we, we spent um, all day, every day in the parks. We went to four parks in four days. We went to the magic kingdom, Epcot animal kingdom. And um, the cream of the crop, in my opinion, was Hollywood studios. I got to go to Star Wars land. It uh, was, I'm it so was, jealous. Well, first of all, let's get this out of the way. Yeah. I'm, I feel like you cheated on me. Like, I feel like the first time that I should have seen a life-size Millennium Falcon was with you because I guarantee nobody else you were with appreciated it as much as I would have. And no, that was very sad, but I was very, very jealous, but very excited for your opportunity. Dude, I tell you, it, I, like I'm getting goosebumps literally just now, just thinking about it. So I, I I took a video as you're walking around the corner into Star Wars world. So that's at Hollywood Studios. And I took a video where you around to the corner and I see for the first time the Millennium Falcon. And I knew it was there. I knew it was coming. And it didn't take away from my excitement. I mean, I was like a little kid. I mean, that that entire war. I, I I really, I genuinely can't describe how well they did that world. I mean, it's just every character, every building, every trash can. At like literally, it's it's you are immersed in Star Wars world. It's it is. I mean, to say it's phenomenal. I, I just I don't have enough descriptors for it. It's it was amazing. So. Did you build yourself a lightsaber? I did build myself a lightsaber. Hang on one second. <laughs> I got to see this thing. I did build myself a lightsaber. Oh, that looks circa 1983 right there. It looks very, yeah, very it's, Jedi-like. It's, um, yeah, let's see. 
Return of the Jedi, I should say. Oh, uh, <laughs> a purple one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I built the purple one. Nice. So it, it is. So you can you can obviously buy them a specific character saber. I actually went. They have an experience that you can purchase for a pretty penny. Where you go, it's called Savi's Workshop, and you actually go into Savi's Workshop and you determine kind of which type of saber you want to build. And then based on those selections, they bring you the pieces and you assemble and you kind of get to pick and choose. So you pick your hilt, you pick you know, the end caps, the igniter, like all sorts of stuff. Wow. It was an awesome experience. It really was. That's so cool. I mean, I just, I'm so jealous. And tell me about the ride. I've heard nothing but amazing things about the oh ride. Oh my God. So, so yeah. So th there's several rides like in that world. The big one that you've probably heard of is called rise of the resistance. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, it is, so you go in and you know, there's a, as you're waiting in line, there's a story kind of as part of your experience. The story is that you get, you get caught by the, the first order. And so you are, you're a captive of the first order. And then the, and then the ride is kind of your escape. But like when you, when you go in, you're standing in line and they're, and they're taking you through and they're putting you into groups and they're putting you through like the interrogation rooms and those kind of things. And you walk out into this one room and you are in legit, you are in the hangar of a star destroyer with all of the troops sitting there, the big open window where you're seeing space. I mean, it, it is, and it's not, and it's not a screen like you're in this room that, I mean, it is fully immersive. You feel like you're there. I mean, it's, and that's even like before the ride starts. And then when you go into the ride, it just kind of, it goes from there. I mean, I, I did, I took a video of most of the ride of that. I don't think I've posted it anywhere, but I'll, I'll I'm happy to share that with you again. I, I can't even really, I can't put it into words how just immersive of an experience this this thing is it's it's it truly is amazing and then the, then the other ride that that is amazing is called smuggler's run which is where you're actually in the millennium falcon oh wow and so yeah so you get to walk in through the falcon you get to go into the cockpit and you know based on how many people you have in your party my wife and my one son were pilots my my other two sons were um gunners and then I was a um, an engineer. And so based on what's going on during the experience, you have to flip buttons or you have to shoot things or you have to steer out of things or um, and you actually get points in this particular ride based on how well you do, how well you complete your task. Nice. I, I mean, just again, for 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 a guy in his mid 40s that grew up loving the Star Wars universe, that 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 day was everything I could ever ask for. It was amazing. That's so cool. I'm yeah. super jealous, but I'm I'm glad I finally get to talk to someone who's kind of gone through that experience. But most importantly, someone who's, I would say, very fairly on par with your Star Wars fandom the same way that I am. I mean, you and I yeah. are, are split at birth when it comes to being Star Wars fans and, and our love for that world and growing up wanting to be Jedi or smugglers or whatever. So I imagine that's a really fun, nostalgic trip back to your own childhood. It, yeah, it really was. And, and like I said, I mean, I just, I can't, I just can't describe how amazing it was. They spared no expense 
building out those worlds. I mean, you know, Disney just in general is, is just amazing. If you ever experienced Disney and when they took over the star Wars property, they, they did it well is the, is the best way I can describe it. They, they really did it well. Yeah. Also we were, we, while we were at Hollywood, we went to an Indiana Jones stunt spectacular, like a show. Okay. Which, which I had actually seen before probably 20 years ago. It probably, um, hadn't changed a whole lot in those 20 years, but it was still like, it was actually, they're showing you how they do all the stunts and, and pull punches and fall and do the whip and the boulder and the blowing up cars. And I mean, it was, it was really, really cool. It was cool. That's cool. That is really cool. And then, you know, the magic kingdom was amazing. I do have to say I have a new all time favorite roller coaster, the guardians of the galaxy roller coaster is my all-time favorite roller coaster. No it's kidding. At it's at Epcot. It's called Cosmic Rewind. It's all dark. So it's kind of like Space Mountain on steroids. And it's, yeah, it's amazing. If you ever have an opportunity to go ride it and you're a, you are a, a roller coaster fan, I highly recommend it. You know what? For Disney, I would definitely do it because I've, yeah. I wanted to go for a long time. I think at this point, I'm just waiting for my kids to get old enough where they will remember it because I don't foresee a lot of return trips because I know it's obviously a very expensive vacation, but certainly one that's worth it. And to your point, kind of what you mentioned, I heard that Disney does an amazing job of taking care of the guests and the visitors and and that, yes, it is a lot of money, but it's worth it in the end for, you know, the hospitality that they do provide. Yeah, I again I, I can't I can't say enough about again the the facilities, the staff, the parks, the like yeah, everything is it, again, it's expensive, but but you like when you're in it, you kind of forget that. You're just kind of immersed in this in this Disney um world, which is it just it really is special. So you you mentioned Indiana Jones and I couldn't help but think about this. You've been gone for a little while, but I have to imagine you might have heard that they recently dropped the brand new trailer for the fifth Indiana Jones movie set to come out next year called Indiana Jones and the dial of destiny. I'm wondering if you've seen the trailer and if you have, what were your thoughts? I have seen the trailer and I was pumped to see it. I, I'm not sure I'm, I'm reserving my excitement. How about that? Because Crystal Skull, I think, uh, kind of wasn't what we collectively wanted from an Indiana Jones movie. It was it was an enjoyable kind of swashbuckling type movie. It just wasn't a great Indiana Jones movie, in my opinion. I was kind of hoping that if we were going to get a new indie movie, if I'm being honest, I was kind of hoping that maybe Indy wouldn't really be in it a whole lot, right? Like he wouldn't be kind of the main you know, the, the, like he'd be there, but not like, and, but just, but based on the trailer, like he's in it, like it's all him. Oh yeah. All, all Harrison all the time. This is an Indiana Jones movie from, from what we can tell so far. And I liked it. I thought it was good. I'm also very, I'm reserving, you know, my, my hopes. I'm, I'm trying to kind of keep things in check to this point because there was definitely one thing that I noticed about the trailer and that is Harrison Ford looked really old. I mean, really old to be able to pull off some of those stunts and have it be believable. I mean, granted we're talking about a series, you know, where a guy jumped out of a plane and a, and a life raft and landed on a mountain and, and lived. So you, you have to suspend a fair amount of disbelief 
to enjoy these movies. But I mean, we're way, way, way far down the road. And even after the whole fridge debacle from the Crystal Skull, which I will never, ever forgive it for, I'm I'm sort of on the fence about how they're going to do this. And I'm I'm a little nervous about it. But at the same time, there was enough charm seeing Harrison Ford in that leather jacket again that yeah. I feel like it's going to be a very similar experience to the new Star Wars movies, which is I, if, as long as I have fun, I don't care. Yeah. I just I just please don't fuck it up. Do you know when that movie is set? Because like the original the original movies are in the 40s, right? 30s, mm-hmm. 40s. So is that like in the like 70s? I, they haven't told 80? us yet, but I have to okay. think it's the 60s or the 70s, late 60s or early 70s, okay. but I'm, I'm okay. not sure. And I don't know what the Dial of Destiny is other than arguably the worst name of any Indiana Jones movie. That's really got a, a cheeky Marvel flavor to it. I don't know. I mean, even yeah. Crystal Skull's a badass name, even if it right. wasn't a great movie. <laughs> Not a great, so yeah. it makes me a little nervous because I don't know if we're talking about like some kind of time travel or weird stuff because there are some scenes in the trailer where we do flashbacks to Harrison Ford as a younger maybe last crusade era indiana jones and so i'm not real sure what they're going to do with it they're obviously not bringing back karen allen's character so be interested to see how they're writing out both her and mutt as his son but was excited to see sala as old and decrepit as he looked in the trailer I did, I did not see that coming actually i was i was kind of surprised when he popped up i i have not been like paying attention to any of the filming or the shooting or anything so i was like i came into that trailer like totally blind so well i think we all did because they really haven't given us anything about that movie but i'm here to say and i'm gonna go on record if short round is not in this movie we fucking riot that's what we do because there is no reason in the world that Kehi Kwan, I think is his name, is not in this movie. He should absolutely be in it. He was just in everything, everywhere, all at once. And he is so good in that movie. And he has some action chops too, which he certainly doesn't need at 51 years old. But he absolutely needs to be in this movie. And if he's not, I'm I'm praying that they're just hiding him from it. Because, you know, there's not going to be another Harrison Ford Indiana Jones movie. There's not a chance in the world. And I think this is the best sort of fan service they can give us at this point is to put short round back in this movie. So, so here's, here's a question based on your last statement, I guess, first of all, I would agree with you that I don't think we will get another Harrison Ford, Indiana Jones movie. Do you think they kill him? No, God, no, 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 they don't have any balls to do that. No, they won't kill him because I mean, he's a beloved figure, right? They just, they can't do that. I think it's carbonite as much as I know Harrison Ford, lobbied for Han Solo to be killed back right. in 1983 and also back in 2015. He has a little bit more reverence for the Indiana Jones character and he's not going to let that happen or he's not going to push for that to happen. I'm like a bad penny. I always turn up. But no, I don't think they kill the character. I think they do what they usually do is they they let it go for a handful of years and then they try to reboot it in some obnoxious way. Yeah. But I'm I'm okay with it ending here. I would have probably been okay with it ending in 1989 after the right. last crusade. But let's give it one more go. This is the last yeah. time we're going to see him. This is probably his last time acting in any sort of you think action so? movie from our 
from our generation, you know, as we grew up, yeah. Han Solo's gone. Indiana Jones was his next big thing. I mean, this is going to be one of the last times I think we see him in this kind of capacity. So yeah, yeah I'll be there front row. I want to be clear, even though I'm kind of tempering my expectations. Oh yeah. I'm all in. Like I'll be there opening night with bells on, you know, hundred yeah. percent. I, I cannot wait. Yeah. Sure. Also worth noting, John Williams doing the score for one last time. I think this oh, is, is really? officially Good. his last movie that he's ever going to score. And so I'm, I'm excited about that too. I, I think the Indiana Jones movies as movie scores are exceptionally strong and I can't wait to see what he's got coming up next. Yeah. So the the same day that I saw the trailer for Indiana Jones, I saw the trailer for the new Transformers movie. Did you see that one? I actually did that trailer. I did watch that. I'm I'm not an outspoken fan of the Transformers movies outside yeah. of the first one, but I watched this one. Glad to see Peter Cullen back yet again. Yeah. And I mean, it looked kind of interesting. I mean, yeah. it wasn't terrible. This now, Michael Bay is not directing this one, right? No, I. In fact, I don't think he has anything to do with this, and I don't think he had anything to do with Bumblebee either. He, yeah, I, I think you're right on that one. But yeah, I saw that, and I thought, well, that looks. It looked interesting. I would probably watch it. I don't know if I'd go yeah. to the theater for it. You know, I think what they're doing that I think is a good thing is there. You know, if if you watch the Bumblebee movie. It was it was a live action version of Transformers, but it was it was a more cartoony version than the Michael Bay version. And I think that is a step in the right direction. And it looks like this movie is going that direction as well. I'm not familiar really with the with the Beast Wars version of Transformers, which I know that this is this is taking from. But this is another one that I'm really excited to to go see. So and also, and I don't know what it was. It must have been National Trailer Day or something. But we got a Guardians of the Galaxy three trailer that dropped, and I don't know if you saw that. I know you're still getting caught up on some of the Marvel properties, but that one uh, that one looks interesting. I, I can't decide how I feel about it this far ahead of time. But what I'll what I'll say is they made really really interesting use of <laughs> this old song. From when we were in college, what well, was by Space Hog, and it was called In the Meantime, and it, you would recognize it if you heard it, but this one is obviously a very remixed version of the song, as they typically do for big movies these days. They'll take like the Nirvana song, something in the way that they made that for the Batman movie and stuff like yeah. that, so they'll take songs from you know, the nineties and, and put them in some of these movies, but they'll, they'll sort of make them even darker and it's pretty interesting. So, it, you know, we could be gearing up for a pretty interesting 2023 as far as movies are concerned. So I'm, I'm excited about where this is going. Yeah, it's almost as if, and, and I'm sure this wasn't by design, but you know, like we're, we're kind of knock on wood coming out of the pandemic and, and it, it's time to go back to the movies, right? It's time to get some big blockbusters. Not that there haven't been good movies because there has been, but at least for me, I, I will be kind of going back to the theaters more than I have been in the last several years for sure. Yeah. One more um, kind of recent movie news. I watched the, the new, the Christmas story movie, a Christmas story, Christmas. Okay. Did you, All right. Did you, are you familiar with that one? Did you, I'm familiar did you... with it. I have not seen it yet. I've been waiting okay. for the right moment to sit down and watch it. The trailer scared me a little bit, like it from an acting perspective, everything seems a little bit, I don't know, clumsy. Maybe if I, if I yeah. had to pick a word, but it, the, the, nostalgia of it all i think is really charming the fact that they got a lot of the characters back for that yeah. sequel 
is really interesting and I'm excited to see it, but what were your thoughts? Yeah, it, it was. So, so I have to preface this by saying that that is my wife's all time favorite Christmas movie to the point where we, we had a dog named Ralphie after, you know, named after the main character of that movie. It has never been like the, the tippy top of my Christmas movies, but I've watched it a gazillion times. Cause she has it. She watches it all the time. It was good. It was an entertaining it was a good sequel to that original. You're right. It was the majority of the original cast was back. And yeah, it was it was good. It was still kind of a nostalgic view, even though Ralphie has grown. It is still set in the past. I mean, it's. I think it was in the, I think the original was like in the 30s. And so this is probably in the 60s or 70s. You know, I mean, it's still. Yeah, they it's had still to do period. that, right? Yeah. <laughs> For yeah, continuity. It's, it's, yeah, it's still a period piece. But it's but it's good. I mean, it's it's probably not one that I'm going to revisit, you know, over and over and over again. But it was we, we sat down as a family and we thoroughly enjoyed it. And my wife loved it. And so I was I was really happy for her that it was that it was a, a sequel that lived up to one of her all time favorite movies. You know, what nice. I mean? like I, I was yeah. happy for her. Yeah, so that's awesome. Well, hey, what a segue. Right. Look at you. I mean, right. you've been going to broadcasting school, haven't there you? There you go. There you go. <laughs> Why don't you tell us a little bit about what we're going to talk about tonight? Well, tonight we're going to do our all-time favorite Christmas movies. You know, as you said, we're uh, we're we're sitting here on December eighth, so this is kind of one of the the first of our ever kind of holiday shows. And uh, and I, I got to give you credit. This was this was your topic idea, and so we're gonna we're gonna talk about our favorite Christmas movies. So before we get into this, right? I, I have to I have to talk about one thing. Okay? Oh man, I feel like I know where I have, this is going. You, yeah, you know exactly where it's going. I have to talk about Die Hard. Ah, okay? God damn it, it okay. is where it's going. Okay, now here's here's what I'm going to do though. I am disqualifying Die Hard from my list. It is not on my list. Well, you don't have okay. to do that. No, I'll tell no, you right now, it's well, not on my list. But it's only I, well, because I know it's not. It's not yeah. a Christmas movie. Yeah, because you in my you humble opinion. Yeah, you and I disagree about whether it's a Christmas movie, and and that's fine. Like we 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 can agree to disagree. But what I've done for my list is I've removed like most of those that genre of movies. So things like Die Hard, Die Hard Two, Batman Returns, Iron Man Three, Lethal Weapon, Rocky Four. Sure. Like these movies that are set at Christmas. And, you know, you can make a tongue in cheek argument about whether Die Hard is a Christmas movie. I, I tend to kind of argue that it is, but I don't really care one way or another. <laughs> yeah. you know what I, I mean? don't either. It's a fun yeah. back and forth. Right. Put it this way. If somebody were to ask me, like, give me one genre that Die Hard is, I wouldn't say Christmas movie first. It's an action movie, right? Sure. It's, you know, but anyways, I, I wanted to get that out of the way so that we could have like a clean conversation about Christmas movies. So at least all of my movies are truly what I would consider Christmas movies. They are not, you know, action movies that happen to be set at Christmas time or, you know, anything like that. Well, I respect where yeah. you're coming from on that, but I honestly expected that to be on your list and very high on your list. And I, I knew that that would be one overlap we wouldn't have again, right. because it's not a great movie, but just because I personally don't categorize it in that way. So, you know, very bold of you, but certainly not necessary. So I, I can you talked about overlap. I can almost guarantee. What's the over under? If the over under is two and a half, what are we what are we doing here? Two and a half. What do you want? I'll take I'll take the over. I think I'll take I'm gonna the over. Ta I'm gonna take the under because I think the answer is two. Okay. I think the answer is two, but I think our number one is gonna be the same, if I had to guess. I, I think you're right. And okay. 
Yeah. All right. That's uh, awesome. We'll get, we'll, but we'll get there. But I think it's going to be two. So I'll, if it's two and a half, I'll take the under. Okay. I got the over. Uh, it's your topic. Would you like to go first or would you like me to go first? Uh, I will. Uh, I will actually defer to you. I would like for you okay. to start. And okay. I want to hear your number five, top five favorite Christmas movie of all time. Okay. So this is a 2003 film, I believe. It's not quite my top box office film. It was directed by none other than John Favreau, who has really made an amazing name for himself. This is the 2003 Will Ferrell starring Elf. This movie, I actually came to very late. I didn't see it when it first came out. And it, 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 I had some buddies that just absolutely went head over heels for this movie. And for whatever reason, I just I hadn't seen it. And by the time I got around to it, it was probably 10 years old or so. And once I saw it, it, it is in my regular rotation around the holidays. Um, again, I mentioned Will Ferrell, James Caan, Zoe Deschanel. I, I think I'm pronouncing her right, her name properly. Mary Steenburgen, who ironically enough is married to Ted Danson right now. I didn't realize that. And used to right. be married to Malcolm McDowell of Dr. Loomis fame from the Halloween films. Oh, uh, she the, did? The, yeah, she I was married to know that. Yeah, yeah, also has Ed Asner and Bob Newhart. And so it tells the story of Buddy the Elf. Buddy is an orphaned elf that goes and grows up on the North Pole and, and is an elf and then comes to New York City to find his father, James Kahn. And it's your classic kind of uh, fish out of water story uh, with an elf in New York City. And it is hilarious. And if you've never seen it, you absolutely need to go need to watch it. It's amazing. I love elf. It's a classic movie. It's an it's a, a new classic, if you will. Uh, Mary Steenburgen also in Step Brothers with Will Ferrell, which is uh, a nice little callback. Yeah. But yeah, that the movie is great. I would say I I didn't see that when it first came out. It probably took me like a handful of years before I kind of caught on to it. But I will say it may be my favorite Will Ferrell solo movie, if that makes sense. So. You know, a lot of, I think Will Ferrell is at his best when he's with somebody else. So like yeah. old school, for example. Oh my God. So uh, good. Or Step Brothers. I just mentioned that, like that movie, that, I, that is the pinnacle of Will Ferrell comedy for me, but it's not just because of Will. It's because of John C. Riley. It's because of uh, Adam Scott. It's because of everybody who's in that movie and uh, Catherine Hahn, such a good flick. But I think that as far as a Will Ferrell vehicle, which I think this one is fair to classify it's one of my favorites for sure james Kahn is great in that zoe deschanel it's a great movie it's one that gets quoted a lot around this house yeah. my favorite one uh, i think is you sit on a throne of lies <laughs> I, I really like that one a lot so yeah that's a spectacular pick is that i have to ask you though is that i'm gonna guess is that the newest one on your list I have another one that is the same age. I have another one from the same year. Okay. All right. Interesting. So uh, Christmas movies, I think for, for people of our generation tend to be, uh, we tend to, to lean towards the older. Yeah. Flicks. So absolutely. I was kind of curious, but that's yeah. a great pick. I love it. All right. What's your number five, sir? All right. My number five is probably going to be the least creative on this list. And we've already talked about it, it is 1983's Christmas story. I, 
you know, I mean, as far as Christmas movies go, I don't know that there's one more iconic than this, which is probably why I put it on my list from the, you know, from the Red Rider BB gun to the Christmas lamp, the leg lamp and all of that. It's it's just it's something I watched so many times growing up. I actually did see it in the theater. I see you got your leg <laughs> lamp in the background. I mean, that's it. I mean, it is it is part of the pop culture zeitgeist, I think, as far as Christmas movies and everything are concerned. Directed by Bob Clark, starring Peter Billingsley, Darren McGavin, Melinda Dillon. You know, and just side note, you know, Melinda Dillon is an actress that I've seen in a couple things. I really liked her. I was really disappointed that she did not come back. She was one of the actresses that did not return for this movie. I think she retired about 15 or so years ago, and that's why she's not in it. So we've got Julie Haggerty is in the sequel. Julie Haggerty, also known from uh, Airplane fame. And of course, many other things. That to me, I I think it's not going to sit well because honestly, Melinda Dillon's character as Ralphie's mom might be one of my favorites in that movie. I don't know why. I think especially as an adult, I've grown to appreciate her character, especially the scene where she's trying to make dinner and, and the narrator says, my mother had not had a hot meal for herself in 15 years. And I, I could certainly relate to that because I have kids and I try to feed them and it's like, I'm just trying to eat my own dinner. I don't want to get you seconds, but I mean, the movie is just, it's such a classic. I don't know what else can be said about it. You know, the, the tongue on the, on the flagpole and all that stuff. It's just, it's crazy. It takes place in a fictional town in Indiana. I think it's called Homan, Indiana. I had to look Homan, that up. Yeah. So that does, that, I, I was wondering, that doesn't, that's not a real town? No, that okay, is, okay. that is 100% fictional. But of course, you, as well as the rest of the world knows, it's filmed or it was filmed in, on the west side of Cleveland. So it, I never thought of it as a movie that takes place in Indiana. I've only thought of it ever as a movie that was filmed Cleveland. in Cleveland. And I don't yeah. really know why. They might as well have just said it was a, is a Cleveland movie, but for yeah. some reason, I don't know, some movies when they're trying to get this Midwestern feel, they, they place it in Indiana. So it's funny. I've, I've, I've often wondered, is this movie, is it as revered? Like living in Cleveland, right? It's clearly a revered movie, right? It was, it was, it was filmed here. I mean, you could go to the Christmas story house. In fact, that house is for sale right now. The owner just put it up for sale for something like five or 6 million bucks. Yeah, and I heard members of the cast were trying to collect yeah. money to buy it themselves, which is yeah, really so it's it's actually pretty cool. So they he they bought not only that house, but like six or seven houses on the block, and they've got like a museum, and you can actually stay there, and like there's a hotel and all. It's actually a it's it's pretty um it's pretty well done. But my question is like, is that movie as revered not in the Midwest as it is here? You know, I, I don't know. I mean, like if, if you go to New York, you know, if you go to New York or L.A. or Oklahoma or what, like, do people like that movie? I don't I, I don't know the answer to the question because I've lived here. If I had to guess, I would say yes. I would think that it is only because is it TBS or TNT, whichever it's station all the time, isn't it? Well, yeah. it literally shows it for 24 straight hours on Christmas Day. And uh, that's obviously a nationally broadcast station. So I think that it has to be one of the most iconic Christmas movies of all time. I just, yeah. I don't think there's one that is bigger than that. We were talking about the, the, the sequel to it. Melinda Dillon not being there was, was a bummer. It, yeah. it was. Did you um, feel that? I mean, did it? I did. Did I, it... I did. It, and it, it took me a while to like, 
you know, I'm, I'm looking at Julie Haggerty. I'm like, and, I'm, and I just couldn't place her. I'm like, like, where do I know? Like, who is this? Where? And then I was like, oh shit, it's airplane. You know, that's, she's, she's just a very unique looking individual. And, you know, I, I've, I've just, I've known her obviously from a bunch of stuff. And so to, I guess to your point, like Melinda Dillon is a very, and this is going to sound like an insult, but it's definitely not. She's just like a plain, like, like a, just a, yeah. you know, like a, a motherly, you know, matronly figure in that, that movie. That's exactly the word I was going to say, yeah. motherly. She, she yeah. played the role of that mother, sort of the stereotypical 30s, 40s era housewife, you know, where right. she was a little bit meek, but she, she was running the house. Like there was no doubt about that kind of thing. She, she played that role so well. And I was so disappointed I would have rather them recast almost anyone else in that movie besides Ralphie. I, I, I would agree. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. So I, I did, I did feel that Peter Billingsley, I thought did a great job. The way they handled the old man, you know, is actually pretty pivotal to the, to the plot of the movie. And so, yeah, anyways, if, if you, if you like the original, I, I would say, go check out, go check out the sequel. Certainly, certainly um, appropriate for your daughters and, and your wife, you know, it's a good, good family. We sat down and watched it as a family. Okay. So we got the, iconic one out of the way or at least i did so let's yes. let's go to your number four all right my number four yeah so this is a 19 this i don't think this will be an overlap this is a 1982 film it was directed by brian henson it is based on a christmas carol by charles dickens it is the muppets christmas carol wow okay all right dude <laughs> i fucking love this movie <laughs> when i think of christmas movies there, there's a handful of movies that i just immediately think about replay value i think about movies that i can put on in the background and just kind of they can just be going right absolutely you mentioned chris you mentioned christmas care or christmas story that's just on a loop for 24 hours like the muppets christmas carol to me is one of these movies it feels like Christmas when I hear it, it feel it's, it's got that warm kind of, you know, you've got, you've got Kermit the frog. It stars Michael Caine as Ebenezer Scrooge, Michael fucking Caine, man. I mean, he's, he's, <laughs> he's dancing and singing with Muppets. It's, you know, obviously the, the, the Christmas Carol story is an iconic, probably the most well-known story of, of Christmas stories. Right. Um, it's been told a zillion and one times. Again, I, I came to this movie very young in life. I'm sure I saw it probably not in the theaters, but I might have, you know, 1982. So I, I would have been what? I would have been, you know, eight. I grew up with the Muppets. I continue to love the Muppets. I wa I absolutely never miss watching this from year to year. We've got it on Blu-ray. We've got it on DVD. It's We've got it recorded. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just it's it's a go-to flick that is just a feel-good Christmas story. I love it. That's cool. I Unfortunately, I'm not going to have much to offer here because... While I do think that I have seen this movie, I honestly don't remember a thing about it and haven't seen it since I was probably yeah. a kid. And I'm a little surprised, to be honest, that the Muppets have not worked their way into any sort of rotation with my kids in this house. But I don't know that they've seen them. I don't I don't know that they know who Kermit the Frog is or Miss Piggy or any of those characters. You know, I'll be honest with you. The Muppets are not are not big in my house either. You know, my boys are a little bit older than your girls. I don't know about your, like my boys were never Sesame street fans. They weren't big Muppet fans. They, you know, they, they just weren't, but yeah, the, it's funny that the Muppets. Yeah. was. And again, I don't know if it was just like 
we are at the age where we were at the tail end of the Muppets. I think the Muppets are still relevant. I think they're still a thing. I think they're uh, still relevant. Re- yeah. I, I think that the difference is that there's so much more programming right now. Yeah. And, and yeah. it's it's evolved a lot into, I mean, even the cheapest sort of Netflix or Disney shows have some pretty advanced animation and things like that. So I think that there's just a saturation of this kind of content out there and the Muppets, you know, we know it, we'll always know it because we grow up on that stuff, but there are so many different properties and, and animated shows and all that. I just don't know that there's any room for them in our kids' lives these days. But again, it it makes me feel good that I, at at the very least introduced my kids on a yearly basis to the Muppets Christmas Carol. That's great. I love that. Uh, What do you got for your number four, sir? So my number four is one that I'm reasonably sure will not be an overlap for us. I think the top three is going to be the real challenge, but this is a movie. This is easily the newest one on my list. And if you haven't seen it, I'm going to ask you to try to make some time to see it this holiday season, because I think that you, you will really appreciate it. And I think that it will resonate with your childhood. It's the movie called 8-Bit, which is directed by Michael Dowse. It's got Neil Patrick Harris and Steve Zahn in it. The movie is, it's it's very new. It came out in 2021, as I mentioned. Neil Patrick Harris plays a character named Jake Doyle, and he's got a daughter, and her name is Annie, and she's dying to get a cell phone. That's all she wants for Christmas is a cell phone. And the movie, which is told mostly in flashbacks, is about Neil Patrick Harris's character as a kid when all he wanted was a Nintendo entertainment system. And I think that, I think the reason that you will really understand this is because I I certainly remember being a kid and wanting a Nintendo more than anything. And I remember there being a kid in my neighborhood who got a Nintendo and kids were basically just lined up outside this kid's house. That was probably you if, if I had to guess when I was a kid or when you were a kid. But, you know, and and this movie does that, like they play that whole thing out where it's like this kid, he'll do anything. He'll he'll uh, he'll walk dogs. He'll do chores around the house and he tries to do all these things and he skips school and he goes to a mall and he tries to buy a Nintendo and he can't do it. It's it's a really fun story and it gets a lot deeper than just that surface level video game stuff. But it was very charming. And I got to be honest, there haven't been a whole lot of modern Christmas movies that have really kind of touched me in that way and i i thought this one was a really good one so i would definitely recommend you checking it out it's on the rotten tomatoes list of their top 100 christmas movies of all time it's number 55 which is actually uh pretty solid and and just to take a quick step back christmas story was number 15 on the all-time list which is actually okay the highest of all of my movies which was the christmas story but yeah 8-bit is number 55 and it's streaming i think on either netflix or hbo max i can't remember which one okay so yeah so i have not seen it but i remember seeing the trailers for that what that's that was 2021 so just last year correct right and and i remember going oh my god like i i want to see like it was it was more than piqued my interest. I was really excited to see it and just like shit got in the way and I just never did, but I will absolutely put that. Is that now, is that, is it something that I can watch with the kids or not? Absolutely. hundred percent. Okay. I don't think they'll appreciate it as much as you will just because of the, you know, growing up in the world of Nintendo, but the movie's not really about Nintendo. It it centers around a kid who is trying to get a Nintendo, but it's really about the kid who wants that one thing for Christmas. The one thing, yeah. And this one thing just happens to be a Nintendo. And because of that, I think 
your boys, any boy, I think that's just a big thing for a boy and probably a lot of girls too, but it's just, it's got a a lot of heart, surprising amount of heart and charm to it that I think catches you off guard because you think it's going to be one type of movie. And then it becomes a little bit of something else. And by the end of it, you're like, wow, that was, that was surprisingly impactful. It was a good movie. Yeah. I really liked it. Okay. Yeah, no, I will. I will definitely add that to the list. So, so let me like, let me, let me take a quick sidebar. Do you, do you have a, a Christmas from your past when you were growing up? Do do you remember like one in particular that stands out where there was a, a specific gift on a specific year that you just, you had to have like more, more than, more than any, you know, I mean, obviously every year you always wanted something, but like, is there one that stands out? There are a couple. I mean, my parents like to get me a lot of little things. I, I never really got the the one big thing. I'm probably forgetting, to be honest. But the the one that stands out to me, and, and this was actually a little bit later in life. Uh, this was even probably just after college, actually. My parents got me a guitar for Christmas. And that was really cool because I didn't really ask for it. I mean, I, you know, at that point I had been playing guitar for a little while and I had probably mentioned it to them, but I never, you know, I was at the age where I'm not really expecting my parents to get me a guitar. Like that was, I was an adult at that point. If I wanted to get one, I would save my own money and I would get it. And I do remember being at a Christmas at being home for Christmas at my parents' house. And they said, Hey, I want to hear you play something on your guitar. I'm like, nah, I I don't really want to do that. I don't know any Christmas songs or anything like that. They're like, well, just go over and play something, play us anything. So I go and I open my guitar case and a brand new guitar is sitting in that guitar case. It was a Fender Strat and it was, it was a beautiful guitar. And that was a really fun memory. I, I would say it wasn't like the one thing that I wanted, but it was like the one big present that I was really excited to get. And that that's was, really cool. That that's was, awesome. That was a great memory. What about you? I couldn't tell you what year it was, but it was the, the toy was, it was a transformer and it was the big Decepticon dinosaur. And it was like, it was like, like tripped. It was like a, he was a like a base and it like a he was the the yin to the yang of Orion Supreme. Uh, what the fuck was that guy? Unicron? No, no, no. He 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 was a I think it was Tripticon, which sounds like tryptophan and was not a turkey thing, but it was like <laughs> it was like a big it was like a big purple and black robot like a like okay. a dinosaur. I'm yeah. I'm pulling this up on eBay right now. It is Tripticon. You can buy okay. it for the low, low price of $549 if you want to. It looks okay. like kind of a big... Di- okay, I do remember this. It, it's like a dinosaur. It's, like a, it, it looks it's like almost like Godzilla. Sort of, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Godzilla in sort of robot form. And then when it transforms, it almost looks like a city. And it's got like a few roads where you can like put cars on it. And it's yeah. got some skyscrapers and things like that. And that's, yeah, I do remember that. So you got that as a kid. I did. And and in fact, I'm, I still have it. It's, it's sitting in my basement. I still have no it. Kidding. Yeah. So here's yeah. a better question. Did, yes. What was the one thing that you really wanted that you didn't get? Or is, is there anything? Oh no. Yeah. Th- no, there was always stuff that um, I always wanted. And I, and I completely understand why I didn't get it. And I guess in retrospect, I'm glad I didn't. I always wanted a USS flag. <laughs> uh, which is just just like a fucking ginormous oh my god that, like, that thing is yeah. like 
fucking 12 yeah. feet long or something, yeah. right? I, I always wanted that. And it wasn't for Christmas, but I remember one Easter specifically. And I don't know why Easter, because I didn't get a ton of gifts. I wanted the die cast Voltron for Easter. Oh, and I lost my mind that I that I didn't get it. Um <laughs> I, I I actually bought it like maybe six or seven years ago. I, I, I finally bought that Voltron. So I have that, that guy in my basement. Yeah. That's awesome. So I'll share with you what mine was. Mine yeah. was so much like you, I was a big GI Joe fan growing up and all I really wanted was a base. Like I wanted a base, yeah. I, an official base, not like some boxes and some bullshit like that. I wanted a base. And more than anything, I wanted the Cobra Terror Drone. The Terror Drone, yes. I wanted the Terror Drone and I never got it. And I was so bummed about that. Now, I'm, I'm, again, a little doing a little Google Foo and found a version on eBay still in the box for $1,300. Holy shit. $1,375 to be exact. Yeah, I, I always wanted that. I just wanted a base. Actually, what I really wanted, I wanted a base with a jail cell. I don't know why. I just yeah. wanted to be able to lock somebody up. I thought lock that was the coolest up, yeah. fucking thing. Am I remembering correctly? Did the GI Joe base have a jail cell in it? Am I remembering that right? Uh, I don't. Well, clearly, I didn't have that one either. Or am but I projecting? I'm pretty sure that I think the GI Joe base might have had. I think it did. I think they all had. Yeah, it did. Or, it absolutely did. Did it, it really? Had, yeah. It had okay. a jail cell in it, which I just. Yeah, I never had that. Yeah, I never had that. I never had Castle Grayskull. I never had the Terror Drome. I never had, like, I never had the big, the big yeah. base play sets, but. Yeah, same. So, anyways. Okay. Very cool. All right. Well, we're, we're all over the fucking place, but let's yeah. get back on track and give me your number three. I said two overlaps. No, I think we're good. I think you I'm said good. two. I, I, I said, said three. Yeah. I, I think this is our going to be our first. I think, yeah, I think so. So this is a 1989, what I would consider a classic at this point. It was directed by a guy I've literally never heard of, Jeremiah Chenchik, but it was written by none other than the iconic John Hughes. This is Christmas Vacation. It is yes, probably the most quotable, at least most quotable by the most people film on, on my list. This is one of those that like, I don't know about you, but I can put it on and I can just speak the entire movie. I just, I know the dialogue back and forth. I mean, there's so many just great quotable lines and this movie is fucking hilarious and it holds up and the comedy in it is just gold. It's timeless. It's got obviously stars Chevy Chase, Beverly D'Angelo and Randy Quaid and probably his probably his most iconic role, you know, it's oh, probably not easy. his best acting, but it's, but it's the, it's the role that I would think that most people probably know Randy Quaid for, sure. um, you know, cousin Eddie. Shitter was full. You know, th- this was the, what the third, right. The third yep. sequel or the third, third in the um, vacation franchise. I think it's fair to say that this one is probably surpassed the first two far and away. I think this is probably the most popular of the entire vacation franchise. Again, j- just a hilarious movie, ha- you know, has cameos from, from some actresses, that, actors and actresses that, you know, again, immensely quotable, hilarious, and just a movie that we put on in the background all the time, all Christmas season. Yeah. It's, 
absolutely fantastic. I, I can't call it underrated because I don't know anybody who doesn't like this movie. The yeah. cast is immense. I mean, when you break it all out, I mean, you mentioned Chevy Chase, Beverly D'Angelo. You've got Juliette Lewis as, as Audrey. You've got Johnny Galecki from Big Bang Theory yeah. fame and Roseanne. You've got Brian Doyle Murray, of course, Brian uh, Bill Murray's brother. Doris Roberts, who's also very famous from Everybody Loves Raymond. And Julia Louis-Dreyfus. I mean, it's it's a great cast. One of the things that's really special about this movie is that when you watch it as a kid, it's hilarious. And, and you love it and you can quote it and all that stuff. When you watch it as an adult, especially as it's, a father. It's better. <laughs> it It's better. It takes on a whole new meaning and you relate to Clark Griswold in ways that you never thought that you would be able to, even though this movie took place, well, it, you know, it was filmed in 1989. It's so many years ago at this point, but you know what it's like to be a father and to feel like you have to try to maintain control of the chaos that is a family gathering over the holidays. And it, it just, it's brilliant. There is nothing that is not brilliant about this movie. And it's, I, I wish, I think they did make a sequel, but they it was did. a sequel with just Randy Quaid in it, or yeah. maybe Randy Quaid and, and the lady whose name I can't remember that plays his wife, perhaps, but obviously it was not a Chevy Chase vehicle, but it's one of those movies where it's like, I wish I could just keep watching it like i wish there was more to it i wish there were more sequels to it because i think it would be hilarious but yeah christmas vacation is an absolutely phenomenal movie just a year or two ago they did i think it was old navy did a commercial around the holidays where they brought back the cast of the christmas vacation yeah so they had chevy chase and beverly d'angelo and they had the kids from this movie um, and and if I remember the commercial correctly, they I think they reenacted some of the the house lighting scene, but it was just it, it was it was cool just to see, you know, Chevy Chase I, again. To me, I know we had a conversation years ago on the podcast about definitive roles. To me, Clark Griswold is is Chevy Chase's definitive role. It was it was really cool to see him kind of back in those. In, in as Clark W. Griswold one more time, even if it was for 30 seconds for, for Old Navy. Absolutely. So, yeah. All right, sir. What uh, what do you got for your number three? All right. So my number three is one that I feel like will be on your list. I guess I can't 100% guarantee, but I'm going to say probably. 1984, director Joe Dante, executive produced by Steven Spielberg, music by one of my favorite composers, Jerry Goldsmith. This is Gremlins. Rotten Tomatoes number 22, which, by the way, uh, I, Christmas Story is the highest. The second highest on this, uh, on my list, on the Rotten Tomatoes top 100, is this movie. It's Gremlins. Wow. I, I, I think this is a fantastic movie. It is a movie that scared the living shit out of me when I was a kid. Because, again, 1984, I was eight years old. And there are some pretty graphic scenes in this movie, for especially for being PG. And it was something that stuck with me for a very long time. Stars Zach Galligan, Phoebe Cates, Hoyt Axton, which is it's really interesting. Hoyt Axton was also a, a very prominent country musician and wrote songs yeah. for Elvis and, and has a has an entire history outside of filmmaking. And of course, a very young Corey Feldman. This uh, apparently I read as I was doing my research was originally a spec script by Christopher Columbus, whose name will come up again. 
for me and my list that uh, Steven Spielberg liked enough to buy it, which I thought was really cool. It's a story about young Billy Peltzer, who, by the way, never looked young to me, always looked like he was probably yeah. close to 30 years old uh, and how his father gets him a very special Christmas present with <laughs> with the most ridiculous and arbitrary rules of all time. Like if I saw this as an adult, I would probably think this was the dumbest movie in the world because you know, you've got these gremlins, you've got this cute little gizmo thing. You can't get him wet. You can't feed him after midnight. Like there's all these things that are in place that don't make any sense and, and lots of holes to be poked in the logic, but it was a fun movie. It was a legitimately really creepy movie. I still to this day, listen to Jerry Goldsmith's score because it's a really great Christmas horror score. If, if that's a thing, like it's really creepy. It's got, you know, the way that they use sort of the, the bells and the the pipe organs and stuff in the music is really inventive. And I just, I love it. I think it's great. Gremlins two came out years after this also directed by Joe Dante. They took a much more lighthearted comedic approach to that one, but this one, I just, I think it's great. Joe Dante also directed a movie called explorers, which I'll throw a quick plug in because I love that movie when I was growing up. I don't think anybody else did. That was just me, but yeah, Gremlins 1984. It's my number three. Gremlins is an amazing film. So it's, it's funny. I will, I'll put gremlins in kind of the same category that I'll put, that I'll put Die Hard in. Die Hard to me is an action movie. Gremlins to me is a horror movie, right? And, sure. and they just, they both happen to be set at, at Christmas time. One quick, one more quick note about Die Hard and then I'll, and then I'll stop talking about it. <laughs> it's okay. I, 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 I looked, I look in, in your, your list or the Rotten Tomatoes list. Die Hard is number eight ah. of the Chris uh, in the Christmas movies, and it's number two in IMDb. Oh Jesus so, Christ! It was released in July, people. It's not a Christmas movie. Okay. I digress. That, I that digress. No, but but back but back to Gremlins. You, you're right. Gremlins. Gremlins is a scary fucking movie. Like especially when you watch it at the age that we were, it was a scary movie. Because you're right. It's like you've got Gizmo, and he's cute and cuddly. And then, you know, if you're in the right right time zone and you feed him at the wrong time and this, that, and the other thing, you're fucked, right? He, he turns into Spike and he turns into these, you know, these these things that will just really fuck shit up. And yeah, it was, it, but it was a great movie. I don't know that my kids have ever seen that one. And that might be a good one, especially yeah. my older two boys. They, they would really like it, I think, because they're, they're starting to get into horror. And uh, again, I don't know that it's a true horror movie, but it's certainly a scary yeah. Um, yeah. It's 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 certainly a, yeah. But but again, regardless, great movie, good I've, great pick. I feel yeah. like they'll either like it or hate it because obviously, being a movie that was made in 1984, there are going to be a lot of practical effects. So it's very puppety, and I'm not yeah. sure that the our kids' generation is going to be as tolerant with that as we were because that was special That's effects had, right? for yeah. us back then. I would love to show this to my kids, but I know it would scare the absolute fucking shit out of them. Probably not ready for it. Yeah. There's no way. I, I just can't do it yet, but I really want to show them that movie because I think it's really solid. And I, I should also call out just real quick. The one name I didn't mention, Howie Mandel, comedian from That's the right. Eight. He does the voice of Gizmo. And, That's right. Uh, and it's worth calling that out. Howie Mandel, I, you know, these days, you know, the reality shows and all this stuff that he does wasn't isn't really all that interesting. But Howie Mandel is a comedian in the 80s when he was clearly on lots of so cocaine. Funny. It is so, so, so good. 
there are some, uh, this is a complete sidebar, but there are some, my favorite comedians are the ones that can sort of go off script and, and take on the hecklers in the audience. Like uh, Jimmy Carr is one of those guys today that does that. Howie Mandel was, in my mind, one of the original guys that anytime someone yelled something out of the audience, he would respond to it, but it would almost feel scripted because it was so he was so good at it. He was so good at it. it. There are so many good comedy specials that he did in the 80s. But yeah, he was the voice of Gizmo and Gremlins. Another quick sidebar about Howie Mandel. Walk Like a Man was a movie that he made in the <laughs> mid. I, do, I love I that love, movie. I, I love, love that, that movie. movie. <laughs> yeah. So good. That was so yeah. God, yeah. I haven't even yeah. thought about that movie. And yeah. I, I mean, that's probably one of those movies that you can't even find on digital anywhere because Whoever made that movie probably doesn't own. The They're rights. just like fuck it, I'm yeah, out. It's yeah. like, yeah, there are a couple of those out there. I have to look that up now. But anyways, yeah. I digress. Yeah, please give me your Utah. Give me two. Give me your Christmas uh, movie. My two. my number two. I don't think this is going to be on your list. I think I think the under made it. So this is a 2000, and this is my other 2003 movie. I always lose um, this game. This is actually the highest of all of my box office. I uh, had a budget of between 40 and 45 million dollars, had a, a box office of 246 million dollars. It is 2003's Love Actually. Wow, um, that's interesting. I okay, do, okay. I I like I've I, you know me, I've got kind of this sweet spot for these these kind of lovey-dovey chick flicks. I, I love I absolutely love this film. It's got an amazing cast. Like when you look at it, Hugh Grant, Liam Neeson, sure. Colin Firth, Huge. Laura Linney, Emma Thompson, Alan Rickman, Kieran Knightley, Bill Niley, Rowan Atkinson. I, I mean, it's just, it just goes on and on and on. It's a huge ensemble cast. I guess you could call it maybe an anthology where all of the kind of, all of these stories kind of fit together a little bit, but they are told very separately there isn't one through line. There isn't one kind of story that goes across the entire movie. It's all about relationships. It's another one of these films that kind of is set at Christmas time. And I love it. I, I think just because I'm, I'm kind of romantic at heart. I remember the first time I watched it, I kind of fell in love with it. And again, it's, it's one of these that I come back to regularly Believe it or not, my my wife doesn't like this movie nearly as much as I do. So it's not even wow. like I don't even get the I don't even get the credit for like, hey, let's sit down and watch Love Actually. But again, it's just it's one of these flicks that I that I come back to regularly and I apps I totally enjoy it. It's a gr- it's a great film in my mind. I, I suppose I have to be embarrassed by this, but I've not seen it. I've never really? seen Love Actually. Yeah. Of course, I know the movie and I know that it is a rom com on just on a pedestal for so many people and it's totally fair to to be a christmas movie as well obviously but no i i haven't seen it i i've seen all kinds of trailers and clips and previews and things like that laura linney she's got some pretty iconic scenes in that movie hugh grant also obviously but no i i haven't seen it but obviously it belongs on the top of most people's christmas lists yeah i'll tell you it's one of the movies that like you, you should sit down and watch it with your wife. Well, she loves it. She, she, Oh, does she like it? She okay. Would, yeah. And I've never refused to do it specifically. I think she just knows that that's not usually my speed of movies. So she yeah. never really pushes it, but I would watch it. I would sit down and watch it. It's surprisingly a touching and, and, and moving film. It's like there are some of the, um, the, 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 the stories in there that are, that are really like, they're really adult and they deal with some really deep, 
things and some real things. And I mean, there, there's some, there's some funny ha ha's in there, but, it, but it is a, um, some of the stories are pretty heavy. I mean, it's a, yeah, it, it's a drama for, for some of them. So yeah, it's, it's um again, it's, it's one of those that just kind of caught me at the right time of life. And, and I, and I, I love it. I come back to it regularly. That's great. Uh, I, I meant, I, I mentioned old Navy did a, a campaign with Christmas story a couple years ago. And I can't remember who did it. it who does the, uh, the red nose thing. Is it Walgreens? I think it's Wal- you know what I'm talking about like art, isn't it? Uh, anyways whatever the company that does the red nose thing and it's a, it's primarily a uk because this is a uk based film I, you're right it's walgreens yeah is it walgreens they did a uh, i guess you could only call it a sequel but it was part of a campaign that they did and it was like an eight or nine minute like sequel of from to love actually and they they kind of revisited all the characters they brought all the characters back kind of gave you an update of where they were in life and and that which was which was really kind of cool i can't even imagine how much it cost them to do that campaign but it was it was really cool so anyways that's very cool all right sir we are what we're we're to your number two we are at my number two and we're gonna go back in the time machine which is going to be appropriate when i tell you what this is a little bit to 1988 one of my favorite directors of all time richard donner and this is the Bill Murray vehicle, Scrooged. I, I, I love this movie. I think A Christmas Carol is something that in almost all iterations, something that I've always really enjoyed. In fact, I don't know if you have an honorable mention, but I have a Christmas Carol related honorable mention if we get there. But this movie was so much fun. Obviously, a, a modern take on that back in 1988. Bill Murray, Karen Allen. John Forsyth, Bobcat Goldthwait, music by Danny Elfman, actually, which is pretty cool. And this movie features, I think, for the first and maybe only time, or definitely the first time, Bill Murray is, is a bad guy, you know, as a heel. He is a very deplorable, unlikable character, although Bill Murray, in most of his movies, even when he's unlikable, is, is still especially likable. But this obviously follows the Christmas Carol formula where... A, a very rich miser gets a little bit too far ahead of himself and eventually gets visited by three spirits, ghost of Christmas past, present and future. And the movie is just, it's great. It's fantastic. It's got a lot of heart to it. Bill Murray at his best, I think maybe past ghostbusters. I mean, if you're, I, I think, of all the Bill Murray movies that I watched that are not Ghostbusters related, this is probably on top of that list. I don't think there's anything. I mean, not even Caddyshack, and, which is a great movie, more of an ensemble cast. But this is, I think, one that he really established himself well. Buster Poindexter or, or David Johansson, as he's known as the lead singer of the New York Dolls, as uh, you know, the Ghost of Christmas Past. I it's just it's such a good movie. Rotten Tomatoes only put it at number 72, which on their wow. top 100, which is extraordinarily That's low. Ridiculous. Yeah. Extraordinarily low. Almost as low, or, or actually a little bit lower than my number one, interestingly enough. But I really like this movie. I watch it every year, absolutely make it a point to do so. And aside from the really cheesy end of it, when there's a big sing along in the theater and it, it sort of breaks the fourth wall and all that stuff, like it's, it's just a really great movie and I really enjoy it and I can't recommend it highly enough. 
I'm glad you can't recommend it highly enough because it is my absolute number one favorite movie, Christmas movie of all time. Nice. Scrooge. I, I Scrooge. feel like I do this every time. I feel like yeah. I number two, you're number one. That's that's fine. Uh, <laughs> dude. Bill Murray as Frank Cross is an iconic role. I mean, I, I think I think Bill Murray is probably Peter Venkman first. But oh, yeah, I, I can make, sure. I, but I can make a really good case that I enjoyed him more as Frank Cross. That's the, fair. The, the, you know what I mean? Like the, yeah. the portrayal here. So in doing some research here, I didn't realize this. He took four years off. He didn't act in between Ghostbusters and Scrooge. This was his first like acting gig back after Ghostbusters. And apparently in in the like in the trailers and stuff and the teasers, they played up the fact that Bill Murray was coming back to ghosts in this, in this movie. Cause it was the first time he had acted since ghostbusters. I didn't really? realize that. Uh, yeah. Huh. I um, didn't know that. You, Why would he have yeah, taken I, four years off? He was at the know. absolute height of his career. I agree. I drugs. agree. Probably drugs. <laughs> well, probably, you know, and, and especially, you know, these days, you know, Bill Murray is, you know, kind of, seems like some of the stories from his past are kind of coming back to haunt him and what have you, yeah. but I, but I, I, that's I'll a recurring theme on this it, well, list too. <laughs> it is unfortunately. Yeah. Again, I, you know, you mentioned it, Bill Murray, Karen, Karen Allen, John's Forsyth, Goldthwait. I, I mean, it just, it just goes on and on. It's a relatively, it's a familiar story in Christmas Carol, but they put a really some nice twists on it. I just can't get over Bill Murray being the heel, being the bad guy, playing Frank Cross. You mentioned the the, the kind of soliloquy at the end where he, you know, he, he turns good and he wakes up on Christmas morning and and he's and he's moved by the Christmas spirit. That speech always gets to me. I love it every mm-hmm. time I hear it. It gives it me goosebumps. Good. You know, he talks about how Christmas is every day and it's in everyone and this that and it's again, it's it it really just is a feel good story i love it it's my all-time favorite christmas movie love it it's so good it's got a lot of heart to it and i think you know from our perspective you and i are big horror movie fans obviously thanks to our friends at scare tissue and one of my favorite parts of this movie is the very beginning when he introduces you know like he's obviously everyone has seen this movie but for anyone who hasn't he's a tv executive and he's responsible for putting on a live action version of Scrooge for the holidays. And his, his idea of advertising for this is, is, you know, showing all this really horrible footage of, you know, people explosions and guns shooting and all this stuff. And, you know, this really nightmarish version of what Scrooge is going to be. And and that's sort of his way to acid rain. <laughs> yeah. And then somebody dies and he's like, Oh my God, that's great. We can't, nobody can buy that kind of publicity. And it's yeah. just so it's, it's Bill Murray at his best. And I don't know if Bill Murray at his best is similar to Chevy Chase at his best, where it's just like, it's, it's not, you know, it's not the kind of guy that you would like, but man, he, he fits that character and he does that kind of dry humor so well and yeah it's it's so it's so much fun i love it and yeah, i'm sorry I, I stole your number one i i feel no bad. no 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 not, not at all i i i, I was 99.9 percent sure that that movie was going to show up on your top five. Oh, um, for sure and i'm and i'm glad that it did so i'm i i, I i'm fairly certain 
I know what your number one is, but why don't you give it to us, sir? Well, I mean, if it's any consolation, I stole yeah. your number one. You stole mine as well. Number one for me, 100% forever is 1989's Christmas Vacation. Yeah. You just can't beat that. It's such a great movie. It's, I mean, you covered it perfectly. There's not really much more I can say about it. Rotten Tomatoes, top 100 list, 69 absolutely that's criminal floor me it is the second lowest on my list behind scrooged it makes no fucking sense christmas story okay i get that that's that's sort of revered eight bit was number 55 and it's only been out a year christmas vacation is one of the funniest movies christmas related or not that i have ever seen in my life it is so good it is so relatable as both uh, a child and a father it could not be more quotable. It's just, it's got so many great characters, so many great actors in it. And, you know, it was, yeah, I, I've never heard of the director before, but I know that Chris Columbus was signed on to do that movie. And he met Chevy Chase and eventually said, nope, I'm out. Because Chevy Chase was sort of uh, probably just past the apex of his fame at this point in the late 80s. Yeah. He wouldn't really do much after this that anybody was super proud of and instead he so he left this movie and apparently uh, john hughes kind of felt bad about it so he gave him this other gig as director of home alone and i think that kind of worked out pretty well <laughs> that for worked him. out okay for him yeah yeah which interestingly enough not on my list it's not a favorite of mine i don't dislike the movie but it's obviously i think maybe to my wife's generation she's about eight years younger than me that is that was a huge movie at that point but That's the i one, think yeah. i think that was a little bit just beyond my time but christmas vacation man it, it's such a good movie it's i don't know i i don't know what else to say i i love it from top to bottom i make sure it's a staple of our television watching every single year usually when we're wrapping presents and things like that yeah. on christmas eve and you know with a drink and a smile on my face I love to see Chevy Chase as much as, you know, we talked about Bill Murray and how his past is coming back. Unfortunately, Chevy Chase as an actor and as a more, more specifically as a person, you know, people don't have a lot of great things to say about him and how he behaved and all of that. But I don't think there's a more iconic role for him. And I I love this movie. It's fantastic. I look forward to Christmas so I can watch this movie. I won't watch this movie outside the season, but one of the few reasons I definitely look forward to Christmas is to watch this movie on repeat if I can. Yeah, I, I think you you said it you said it best when we were talking about it earlier. This is a film that as you get older, especially as you have your own children and as you start to host holidays and those kind of things, you you start to look at this this film and specifically Clark Griswold through a completely different lens and yeah. and y- you gain not only an understanding, but there's a, there's a different level of comedy when you start to understand and you start to truly relate to Clark Griswold. Right. Um, I, I ran across a meme the other day that was a picture of Clark with his hockey mask and his chainsaw. <laughs> yeah. Right. And it said something to the effect of, the older I get, the more I relate to, or the more I agree with him or the more I relate to, to this character. Yeah. And it's true, right? It's just like, y- you get it. 
So, so we mentioned, we were talking about Thanksgiving. So I mentioned Thanksgiving is my favorite time of the year. And typically uh, Thanksgiving, we all get together. My, my parents, my, my brother and his family, my in-laws, we go to my parents' house and we have Thanksgiving and we all get together and, and, and um, we couldn't do that this year. Cause I was at Disney. My mom was actually in the hospital. And so uh, when we got back from Disney, I hosted Thanksgiving dinner just this past Sunday with that same group. I got everybody together. We were all back. Mom was out of the hospital and I had, I had an awful lot of Clark Griswold moments, just, you know, nothing was bad. Right. But it was yeah. just when you, but it's when your got, parents, it's your in-laws, it's right. your, exactly. your extended yeah. family. It's like, yeah. Oh my God. And, yeah. and when you get that many people together in the house for at one time, just shit happens. Right. Take a look around you, Ellen. We're at the threshold of hell. <laughs> I'm glad that it was number one on your list because it's it's an outstanding film and it's fucking hilarious. I, I just it. I can't imagine a better Christmas movie. I really can't, and I hope I never see another better one on my list because it's classic, absolutely for sure. So what? Um, so we so we made it. You got uh, you got an honorable mention. I do. I t- I tossed one on there just because this one is really more of a childhood favorite. And we've talked about Dickens and we've talked about A Christmas Carol. This is another version of that. This is Mickey's Christmas Carol, which came out in 1983, same year as Christmas Story. And I don't know why, but as far as like my childhood memories of, of Christmas shows, there was like that Harryhausen style Rudolph uh, the red nosed reindeer yes. and the frosty, the snowman, the puppetry yep. and all that stuff around that same that, like, time. Claymation. Kind yeah, of. yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. The around that same time, Mickey's Christmas Carol, which was just, you know, purely animated came out and it was the Mickey Mouse version of that Dickens story with Scrooge McDuck being Ebenezer Scrooge and Mickey Mouse's Bob Cratchit. I don't know why. I think it's mostly nostalgic. I don't think there's anything necessarily special about this that makes it better. But this old sort of slow sweeping style of animation is just it's so charming and it's so different. And I feel like a lot of the voices, a lot of the voice actors that were in this were some of the I don't know if they were the originals, but they were the ones that they're the voices that that guys like you and I were used to when we were growing up. And it's very short. It's not a full movie. It's only 26 minutes, but it's a really great story with, you know, like Goofy is the ghost that comes back to tell Ebenezer Scrooge that he's going to be visited by three ghosts and, you know, Jiminy Cricket is in it. And it's just, it's funny to me to even say the word Jiminy Cricket out loud because my kids don't know who the hell that is. And and I feel like that was, that was a staple of sorts you know, to my animated childhood. And so, yeah, that was my honorable mention. Mickey's Christmas Carol. We, we watched that. My kids know that as daddy's Christmas movie. Oh, is that right? And we watch that every year and I don't know if they like it as much, but they just like it because I like it, but we do watch it every year. They tolerate dad's movie. I mean, I don't even think they tolerate it. I think they genuinely like it. I think, but I think they like it because I like it mostly. Yeah, but it's it's something that we make it a point to, you know, include it in our holiday routine. Anything on your side? I do. I yeah. I, I've got I, I got a gang of them, right? So when I when I sit down and I do these lists, I just kind of start listing stuff out, and then I you know, so I've got a big long list, and then I rank the top five, and then so I'm left with this kind of list of 
you know, in this case, I've got eight or nine, but there's one that kind of bubbles. <laughs> there's, but there's, I'll give you one. There's one that bubbles. To no, the that's top. fine. I'm just laughing um, because I mean, yeah. wow. I, I, I didn't struggle, but I definitely don't have a long list of Christmas movies yeah. that I watch every year. So, yeah, th- this is foreign. And in, in fact, I probably would have put this on my list, but it's not a feature film. So that's probably why it's not on the list. Same. Uh, but the but the but the fact that you went with Mickey kind of opens up the door that that allows me to do this. So this is 1966. The Grinch that stole Christmas. Ah, that's a good um, one. I thought about putting that on my list, actually. Yeah. So, so the, yeah. So, so kind of like Mickey, this is, it's not a full length feature. It's only like a 25 minute animated cartoon by none other than Ted Geisel, you know, uh, Dr. Seuss. It was developed by Chuck Jones of kind of, um, you know, Looney Tunes fame. Boris Karloff does the, is the narrator of, of Frankenstein fame. Um, you know, another good kind of horror tie in. But, you know, th- this this is one of those that, again, I mentioned kind of these these things that you can kind of put on in the background and just kind of feel like Christmas. The the Grinch to me is 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 a perfect, a perfect thing. You could just kind of put it on loop. You know, the, the, the 2000 theatrical release that Jim Carrey did of of the Grinch was amazing i thought he did a, just an outstanding job but it really it was because of the source material the grinch that stole christmas in 1966 was i i just i love it i i i revisit it absolutely every year uh, love it. Uh, yeah that's a tough one to argue for sure that that's a great movie or a great show or short or yeah. whatever you want to call it at this point i toyed with the idea of putting it on another just because it was a classic and it is something that I watched religiously when I was a kid. I will say, uh, you know, I, I don't really remember sitting through the Jim Carrey one all the way. I, I'm sure that I did. But actually, the one that I really like was the one that just came out a handful of years ago with Benedict Cumberbatch and Rashida Jones. Did you like that one? Yeah, I loved it. I thought it was yeah. really good. That was an Illumination production. And I thought it was really good. That's like a full length hour and a half movie. Yeah. And I, I, if you haven't seen that, but you like the Grinch story, I, I thought it was really good. It was really more of a Pixar sort of version of that story. And that's one that I actually took. It's one of the first couple movies that I took my oldest to, and she loved it and she thought it was great. And we watched that for sure every year. So I would definitely yeah. recommend okay. checking that out. If you like, the Grinch story. So, well, so we, we, we got through our list. We did. Um, we, we, uh, we, we've had an amazing kind of holiday themed episode, but um, you, you got big holiday plans here coming up. We're only, at, we're only a couple weeks from Christmas at this point. Nah, pretty boring. I, I don't think yeah. we're going anywhere or doing anything special. I will say that, man, it is, it is going super quick. It feels like fast forward. I know today as we're recording this, it's December 8th, but we're going to blink and it's going to be Christmas time. It's going to yeah. go real fast because this is the time of year where all the events and the holiday gatherings and the families and all that stuff, that's all going to kick in here pretty quick, but it's really fun. And no, we don't really have any plans, but we're just going to be here kind of hanging out, yeah. trying to, trying to stay warm and all that good stuff. But what about right. you guys? No, yeah, we're, we're kind of the same way. You know, we, we were away for Thanksgiving. I know. So we'll, we'll be home. You know, my my oldest boy plays basketball, so he's got basketball in even through through the holidays, even through break. I got two high schoolers at this point, so they're dealing with, you know, finals and midterms and that kind of thing. And so 
I think they're very much looking forward to to having a break. I think they're one of them's done on the 18th and one of them's done the 20th or 21st. And so it'll be nice to have a couple weeks, couple weeks off and, you know, Christmas and then New Year's. Right. Yeah. I mean, so. it's it's we're going to blink and it's going to be 2023 yeah, for sure. Well, I hope I hope that we can get another podcast in before the end of the year. I think we should effort to try to do that. We can, I, we can make that happen, right? I think we should. So last yeah. year, if I remember correctly, it was either our last podcast or no, I take that back. Maybe it was the first podcast of this year that we did. We did sort of a top five of all the events that happened over the last year. And maybe we need to revisit something like that. We don't have to, but that's uh that's a certainly a possibility but no we did we've got yeah. other topics we can certainly get to yeah we did i'm, I'm looking back now Epi- that was episode 64 of the podcast that was released um january january 4th and yeah we actually looked back at the best of the best of 2021 so yeah we can definitely do that for sure what number are we on like where are we right now this will be number 75 tonight. oh my gosh yeah i can't even imagine what we're gonna do when we hit the uh the magic 100 number. Well, we're just, wh- just going to have to podcast like really hammered and everybody's going to hate it, but it's going to be our favorite podcast. Of we, all time. We, we, well, I, I mean, I think there, I think <laughs> it's very fair to say that number 100 is coming in 2024, right? I, it 2023, has, 2023, I think it has rather. to. Yeah. I mean, we, gotta, to. we have to. Yeah, we got to push it to get there because that's that's just I can't wait. That's awesome. All right. Well, that being said, this has been an awesome conversation. My name is Chewy. I've been joined by Mr. Pip, and this is the 411 from 406. Happy holidays, everybody. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Congratulations. Kiss my ass. Kiss his ass. Kiss your ass. Happy Hanukkah. (laughs) See you guys.